This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're going to be talking about investing when you're in your 50s. So periodically, we do shows about what to be thinking about from an investment perspective and from a financial planning perspective in different decades of your life. So if you're someone that's in your 50s, or if you care about someone who's in their 50s, listen up or pass this on. (laughs) All right, so here's the deal. You know, like these birthdays of ours, when they end in a zero, they feel like a big celebration when you're younger. But then when you start getting into the upper 50s, 60s, 70s and on up, (laughs) it may feel like less than a celebration. (laughs) But here's the thing. Every decade brings with it some specific things that you can be thinking about to improve and enhance your financial situation during this decade. I mean, the interesting thing about the 50s for a lot of people is this is the decade when there's a lot of change. For many people in their 50s, it's when their kids are finally out of the house. You're empty nesters. And by golly, that's a major financial change. I know that I had a child who came home and lived with me for a few months during this pandemic, and I saw my grocery bill skyrocket. These darn kids are expensive. (laughs) Whether they're little or whether they're not little, they are expensive. But for people in their 50s, typically that's when we see that empty nest happen. Another thing that we see happen starting in your 50s is issues connected with aging parents. So becoming more of a caregiver could be more of a health caregiver, could be more of a financial caregiver for an aging parents. That is something we see starting to impact people in their 50s. We also see people who are starting to get close to paying off of a mortgage. So you might have a mortgage coming do where you're done paying it, or you may be at the point where you're going to think about moving into more of a forever home or a retirement home and possibly taking on a more a new mortgage. But we see mortgage numbers frequently change during your 50s. And the questions start to come about retirement planning. You know, when you're in your 30s or 40s, you think you got plenty of time. And when you get to your 50s, you start to think, Uh uh-oh, I hope I've done enough. Have I done enough? Have I saved enough? Am I behind? Should I be worried about things? And that is when we start to see people really begin to look at retirement planning and trying to figure out and forecast, are they on the right track? So retirement savings benchmarks can put your portfolio value in perspective. So I'm going to give you a rule of thumb. Now, again, it's just a rule of thumb, but this is one that T. Rowe Price has come up with to help you understand if you actually are on track. By the time you're 50, an individual should have six times their salary saved. So if you think about how much you're making a year, multiply that by six, And if you're 50 years old, if your retirement portfolio is bigger than that number, according to T. Rowe Price, you're probably on track. But if your portfolio is less than that number, especially if it's significantly less, that might be something for you to start looking at to figure out what do you need to do to get on track. Good rule of thumb, though. Okay, so 
Now that you're aware of that number, let's talk a little bit about what are the things to do when you're in your 50s to really set yourself up for the best possibility of financial success long term. And the first thing is make up for lost time. All right, when you start having things like expenses connected to your children go away, dovetail them over to saving for retirement. When you no longer have to pay a bill for someone to be in college, start that money instead of going to the college, start it going into your own retirement savings. So take the savings for the things that are changing in your life and start putting it away for your own future. There's also a few things that are rules for people who are over 50 that allow you to kind of make up for lost time. And some of those are called catch-up provisions. So in 2020, the IRS allows people who are 50 or over to save an extra $6,500 a year to their 401k. So most people can only put $19,500 into their 401k a year. But if you're 50 or over, you can actually max it out at 26,000 total. So if you need to make up for lost time, there's an avenue to do it. Also, if you're doing an IRA, then you can put an extra $1,000 a year into it. So most people can contribute $6,000 to an IRA. If you're over 50, you can do 7,000. And here's the deal. Basically, this extra padding can have a significant impact on your overall retirement portfolio. By just investing a little bit more in your IRA or by maxing out that extra buffer area for people over 50 in your 401k, it can build up and be magnified in its effect over time. So I highly encourage people to take advantage of those things. They're there for you. So like I said, dovetail expenses that go away into filling up those buckets to save for yourself for retirement. Another thing to be aware of when you're 50 is this. You still have a later bucket and you're going to have a later bucket for years and years to come. Now, what do I mean by that? When people get into their 50s, they start to worry about losing the money that they have more than they think about earning money on their investment portfolio. We start to see a shift in their 50 where it becomes more about thinking about preservation versus earnings. So when you think about the different buckets that we've talked about, we've talked about having three buckets, a now bucket, which is money that's likely to be spent in the next year. And you want that to be more secure. You want that not to have a lot of risk and you want that to be liquid. And that's the money you're likely to use in the next year. The soon bucket is money you're likely to utilize in the next 10 years. And that money should be more conservative because that's ideally where we would pull your income from when it's time to start taking money from retirement assets. But the later bucket is where you can still focus on longer term growth. And any money that doesn't need to be in your now or your soon bucket can still be positioned in your later bucket, which is really for usage 10 10 or more years in the future. And if we have more than 10 years until you're going to utilize that money, then if the market does go down, 
we still have enough time to let it potentially recover before you have to utilize it. So here's the thing for people in their 50s. You hopefully still have decades left in your life. If you're in good health and you have a family history of longevity especially, you have time in this life. You have time in the markets and you have money that you are probably not going to utilize until more than 10 years in the future. So one of the biggest mistakes that we see people doing, and it starts when you're in your 50s, is getting scared of the markets and saying, oh no, I've got to become more conservative with my investments. Should you? Maybe with some of them. But the biggest mistake people make is that they forget that they still have a long-term horizon for some of their money, and they take everything and make it more conservative. And what they do is they kill the opportunity for longer-term growth. So don't forget, you in your 50s, you still have a later bucket. Some of that money probably should still be focused on that long-term growth. Now, here's what's important to think about, though, in money that's in your soon and your later bucket. It's so important to drill down on your diversification. And especially during this COVID-19 pandemic, we have seen diversification be a key indicator of how well a portfolio weathered this storm. Now, what do I mean by this? Your money should be diversified amongst asset classes, It should be diversified amongst a soon and a later bucket, and it should be diversified against sizes. So small companies, mid-sized companies, large companies. It probably should have some domestic, meaning U.S. stocks, and also some international, things that aren't originated in the U.S., You might want to have some bonds in there. It just depends. Every portfolio is different, but diversification absolutely matters. Here's why. If you have all your money in something that happens to be the worst performer in a situation like we've just had, then you are going to lose way more money than you needed to. Diversification works because every asset class responds differently to things that are happening out there in the world. Sometimes things go up while other things go down. And that's why diversification matters and works so well, is it spreads out your risk and it allows you to take advantage of some things in the economy with parts of your money while other parts of your money may be suffering but diversification is key. So this is the time in your 50s to really drill down on that and be sure that you have a strong diversification strategy in place. Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named the 2020 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list for the third year running. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about what to do with your investment plans and your financial plans when you're in your 50s, a very important decade. So we've talked about drilling down on diversification. We've talked about making up for lost time. And we've talked about making sure you still keep an eye on long-term growth potential. 
Now, let's talk about some other strategies specific to people in their 50s. One thing is, using a Roth IRA could still make sense. Now, this is a something that is specific to every person in every individual situation, so it's not blanket tax advice. We often think that Roth IRAs are significantly better for people who are young. And the really the real reason for that is that Money in Roth IRAs, if set up properly, can grow tax-free and come out tax-free if you follow all the rules. So the length of time that it has to grow can really be a big impact. But the reason Roth IRAs can still make sense for somebody in their 50s really ties to something that I talked about earlier, and that is you still have time in this market. You still have potentially decades before you need to use some of your money. So a Roth IRA can still make good sense to be able to grow a pool of money that has some significant tax advantages. It also could make sense if you're someone who has money that you think you will never spend. Now, many of the, the us have that happen. There are inheritances that happen all of the time. And inheritances are money that never got spent by someone. So if you think there's a likelihood that your money might not all get spent, then it makes sense to figure out what's the best taxable impact for money that is going to be left to the next generation. And that could possibly be found inside of a Roth IRA. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is figuring out if you're on track. So one of the things that starts to happen with people in their 50s is they they have developed by this time scattered pools of money, scattered pools of wealth. So most people have had multiple jobs and you might have a 401k or several 401ks at old jobs and maybe you have a current 401k with your current job. Many people have stopped and started IRA contributions over their lifetime, and you might have them in different investments. Uh, You have different relationships that happen over time. Maybe your brother-in-law used to be a financial advisor, and now he's not, and you have no idea who the advisor on the account is. It's just whoever inherited it after your brother-in-law left. So the reality is, but by the time you're in your 50s, you really do have scattered pools of money. Most people have that happen. And you don't necessarily know how this money that you're building is going to actually turn into income for you in retirement. So the art of building wealth is a very, very different art than the art of spending your wealth and how to do that in the most effective way. So when you're in your 50s, it's the ideal time to start doing some longer term financial planning. And what I mean by that is connecting in with an advisor to say, okay, here's where you are now. And if you just keep doing exactly what you're doing, what is the long term impact of that? You know, let's say you want to retire when you're 62 and you continuing to save money in your 401ks the way you are. What does that look like for you? Are you likely to make it or are you likely to run out of money? And what if you decide to work until you're 65 or 68? How does that impact things? So doing a plan with somebody in your 50s is the perfect time to figure out how close to being on track you are. And you also have enough time to make some changes that can have a dramatic impact on your long-term future. Wouldn't you want to know how to improve your situation when you're 50 instead of waiting until you're 60? You have a whole decade to work on improving it then. That's why planning in your 50s is so important. 
Okay, the next thing that I want you to think about in your 50s is how your insurance needs may have shifted. So when you're younger and you have life insurance, that tends to be to cover widows and children. I don't mean to be morbid when I say that, but that's what it's for. If you die unexpectedly and leave your family and they no longer have you there nor your earning power there, then life insurance is designed to help fill that gap. But once you're in your 50s and the kids are gone and college costs are done and you've saved some money for retirement, now what do you need to have for life insurance? So re-looking at your life insurance to make sure that it actually aligns with your current needs is absolutely something for people in their 50s to take a look at. You are probably in the middle phase of life insurance at this point where your life insurance is probably going to be utilized now to make sure it takes care of a spouse in case you don't live far into retirement with them. So what happens if, if, if you don't keep saving until retirement? What happens if you died early in a retirement? That is the life insurance stage of the game that you're in now. So relook at the amounts and the types of insurance you have to make sure they make sense. And that's pretty common sense. Another thing that really is a foundational insurance question that pops up in your 50s is, do you need to think about some long-term care insurance? Now, not everybody needs it. Some people are more likely to need it than others. Again, it depends on your financial situation. But in your 50s is really when we want to start thinking about what is the right amount of long-term care insurance and how should you cover that need if you decide that you actually need to have some of that coverage. So the insurance pieces are, are still very foundational in terms of what we need to think about when it comes to overall planning in your 50s. Okay, so another thing that I wanna touch base on is thinking about it this way. Every dollar counts. And what I mean by that, especially in your 50s, is this is the time to review things by looking at both expenses and performance within your portfolio. Because every dollar that's in your pocket helps, and every dollar that you lose to expenses that are too high, performance that is too low, or unnecessary taxes is a dollar that isn't helping you move forward and thrive for your financial future. So those things all go together, expenses, performance, and the taxation of your overall investment portfolio. And to look at just one without looking at the other two is a huge disservice. And that's what we see people making a big mistake on. We see people saying, I want the lowest expense possible. Okay, I get that, and it sounds like it makes sense, but that's not the real number that we need to look at. What we need to look at is how do you keep the most money in your pocket after expenses and after taxation? And sometimes the performance of things with the lowest expenses isn't the greatest. So would you rather have a strong performer with higher expenses that leaves a higher net amount in your pocket 
Or would you rather have a lower performer with lower expenses that leaves less money in your pocket? I mean, it's kind of obvious. Basically, you want the money in your pocket. (laughs) You want to keep as much performance as you can. So what you have to look at is net performance after expenses. Let me say that again. The best indicator for your portfolio is looking at the net performance after expenses. Sometimes it might be okay to pay a little bit higher on expenses if the performance is there or if there's some value that you're getting for that additional expense. The taxation part comes into it on how much you get to actually keep. So if all of the money you have has a big tax obligation on it, then that's not really all your money, is it? I mean, it may sound like you have a lot of money, but if you're going to have to pay 25, 30, 35% in taxes to access that money, that's an awfully big chunk. And so really, when you think about it, it's the net performance net of taxes that is how your retirement will play out from an income perspective. So thinking about the tax strategy when you're putting the money into your investments is one thing, but thinking about the tax strategy when you take your money out of your investments is a completely different ballgame. And tax strategy on both ends is really what helps optimize performance of a portfolio long term. So again, every dollar counts. You want to reduce the taxation as much as possible. You want to increase your performance as much as possible. And the net performance after expenses is the number to really be keen in on. Okay, I hope this is giving you some really valuable insight for things to think about when you're investing in your 50s. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.